afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Rob Report on 970 WDAY. And today we are doing a town hall with North Dakota Senator John Hoven regarding the health care bill, health care legislation that's winding its way through Congress, health insurance. It's a big issue. It's dominating the national debate right now. It's, you know, a lot of people care about it, obviously, because this impacts all of us. So, uh, Senator, first of all, thank you for your time. We're going to do open phones today, and uh, we'll get right to it if you're ready. Okay, Rob. Uh, just first, a greeting uh, to all your uh, listeners, and, uh, you know, particularly on this uh, 4th of July and uh, celebration of our uh, country's independence. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, all right. Well, I have email stacking up. I have phone, phone calls stacking up. If you want to join, it's 701-293-9000. That's the local number. Toll-free number is 888-970-9329, or you can email talk at WDAY.com. And we're going to go straight to the phones. Patrick, you're up first. And, and just, a, just a caveat here, I hope everybody, if you could keep your questions short, we want to get in just as many as we can. So just ask your question right away. The senator, senator will answer, and we'll keep moving. Patrick, go ahead. All right. Thank you. Um, thank you, Senator, for taking my call. I'll hang up here so I can listen to your answer. Um, uh, the past few months, Senator Heitkamp and Representative Kramer have been talking a lot about this bill. This is really the first time that we've heard from you um, about this issue. Um, I know you have a couple of press releases and stuff like that, but uh, this is really the first time that you've actually come out and are willing to take questions. So my real question to you, Senator, is are you going to have an actual face-to-face town halls with your constituents in North Dakota prior to the vote on this GOP health care bill? And if Thanks. yes, when, and if not, why not? Thank you for your time. Sure, Patrick. Thanks for the call. I've been uh, meeting with people both in Washington, D.C. And, and out here, both individually and with groups. And, uh, you know, I'll continue to do that. I had a roundtable in uh, Fargo recently where I had, uh, you know, various health care groups and others uh, in to talk about the issue. Um, you know, uh, I'm here on the radio now doing, I guess, what Rob calls a, a town hall, a radio town hall. Uh, I've been doing interviews with uh, all the radio stations, TV stations, uh, national media. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, I've been getting a lot of input, talking to a lot of, imp- a lot of people, meeting with people when they ask to meet, and I'll continue to do that. Why not hold a face-to-face town hall? Well, you know, in essence, I, I hold those kind of meetings. I just don't call them town halls. I mean, I call them roundtables, public events, input sessions, listening sessions, all of those. And, you know, the other interesting thing is North Dakota is not a big state. When people want to meet to talk about this this issue or other issues, I meet with them and talk to them. All right. Oh, we'll go to uh, Patrick next. Go ahead, Patrick. Hello, it, it's Pat. Oh, Pat, uh, I'm you. sorry. I was uh, reading it wrong. Go ahead, Pat. I have Senator Hoven is, um, are you in favor or would you support universal health care um, for the citizens of North Dakota? And if not, why not? Sure. Thanks for the question, Pat. Um, I, I want people to have access to health care and to uh, health care insurance that they can afford. That's what I'm working for. But I believe that if we can have choice and competition, that gives people more control over their health care, their health care provider, their health care insurance. It allows them to make choices. I also think that the competition uh, helps keep uh, health care costs down uh, and really empower people to decide what kind of care they want. My concern, and so I don't support 
uh, a single-payer universal type approach, I think actually that takes away uh, people's choice in terms of how they want to get health care, how they want to manage their health care, who they want to work with, what doctor they want to go to, where they want to go. And I think if people didn't have that choice, like they don't have in the Canadian system, for example, I think they'd be very disappointed and upset. I think they want to have more control over their health care provider and how they access health care. Thanks for the thanks for the question, Pat. 701-293-9000. We're going to have the senator for the whole show. 888-970-9329. Your comments, your questions about health care, health care reform, health care, health insurance policy. Uh, you got questions, you got comments. Now's the time to ask them. I got emails stacking up, so we're going to get to a few of these. Uh, Mike emails and asks, Senator, do you plan to get rid of Medicaid? No, absolutely not. Uh, I'm working to make sure that for low-income individuals, they have access either to Medicaid or a refundable tax credit. And we need to talk about the refundable tax credit a little bit because I think people maybe have the wrong idea about that. But either access to health care and coverage through Medicaid or a refundable tax credit that actually helps them buy their own policy. If we can make this work, it's about actually getting, uh, giving people the opportunity to buy a policy that they choose and that works for them. And so as we work through um, you know, legislation, and again, I, I've said all along, this bill is one step in the process. This is going to be a process, but we want to make sure that we have Medicaid um, and that, uh, peop- that, it, that we work with our health care providers and with the state of North Dakota so that it's sustainable and it's there for people. But also, uh, to the extent possible, we want to try to make sure that they have access to, this, uh, to a refundable tax credit so they can actually buy their own policy. And remember, even if they don't pay in tax, um, they're still entitled to that refundable tax credit. Now, this, again, I'm talking about lower-income people. So I've had people come up and say, well, wait a minute, I don't pay enough tax uh, to actually afford a policy from just my refund, or I get a very little refund. But that's the difference between a uh, tax credit and a refundable uh, tax credit, which uh, actually provides you uh, with that funding, even if you don't pay in a lot of tax so that you can get your own policy. 701-293-9000, If you want to join the program, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we got another caller, Stephen. Go ahead, Stephen. Yes, uh, Senator Hogan. I recently read that... Uh the Republicans were thinking about keeping that uh, 3.8% uh, cap gains tax if you're a high earner to help assist that uh, health care funding. And uh, that's kind of why I voted for the, the Republicans is I don't see why I should be paying 25% in cap gains just because I'm successful uh, to pay for everybody else's health care when I'm already funding their Medicare and their Medicaid and everything else. Could you elaborate on that, please? Well, we want to um, reduce taxes where we can. But remember, um, as we work on health care reform, the first party has to be uh, that we make sure we have a health care system that works for everybody. And so let me just go through that for a minute. As I said, for low income, we want to make sure that they have access to Medicaid or a fundable tax credit. For others... Um, we want to make sure that we're providing uh, a competitive market that will help them 
uh, access, uh, uh, you know, their choice of health care plans, plans that work for them, and stop these huge premium increases that we're seeing. And so we have to make sure that as we're going through this, like I say, reduce, we'll reduce taxes where we can, but we've got to have health care reform that works for everybody. And for a higher income individual, they're looking at skyrocketing premiums. And that's something that seems to get lost in this debate a little bit with our colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Obamacare is coming apart. I mean, some parts of the country don't even have access to a policy through the exchange. Uh, other parts are seeing premiums double and triple. You're going to see a very significant increase in premiums here in North Dakota next month when they come out with their renewals. And so we've got to address that. And that benefits everybody, whether you're low income or a high income individual. We're going to take a break. This is an open phone town hall with Senator John Hoven talking about health care, health insurance reform. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Marsha, hold on the line. We'll get to you right after the break. Also got a stack of emails here I'm going to read. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Seventy WDAY having an uh, open phones town hall radio show. Senator John Hovind's with us for the full hour. If you want to join in, you can ask comments about health care, health insurance reform. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. And we got a bunch of calls, so we're going to get right to them. Marsha, you're on with the senator. What's up? Um, I've written to the senator a couple of times and gotten the same uh, canned response both times, neither one addressing my question. So my question is, why do the richest of Americans who could afford whatever their insurance might cost get a tax cut under this plan? Well, Marsha, I hope you heard my earlier response to a gentleman that asked about uh, you know, tax reductions. One thing that I think maybe people don't realize is uh, – the taxes go to Obamacare affect everybody. For example, there's a, a tax on your prescription drugs. There's a tax on medical devices. Um, there's a tax on uh, health insurance. Um, so, I mean, you know, these are taxes that people are paying regardless of income that increases their health care. And I think sometimes that story doesn't get told. And so remember that the goal is to make sure that we're, reforming the system. And, and you have to keep in mind, we, we seem to jump right by this, Obamacare has very serious problems with, with huge premium increases for everybody, um, you know, across the board. And so we've got to address that. And the idea is to do it in a way where, yes, for people who are more affluent, uh, we control that increase in the premiums. But as I said, we also want to make sure that between Medicaid or a refundable tax credit, low-income people have access to health care and, he- and health care coverage. And the idea that instead of just depending on Medicaid, you have the opportunity to buy a policy that you choose, I think would be a good thing. We've got uh, Karen up next. Go ahead, Karen. You're on with the senator. Yes. Please comment on charging older Americans five times more for their health insurance. Now, th- you know, thanks for that question, because I know, you know, seniors in particular are concerned about uh, health care 
and access to health care and, and health care coverage. Right now under Obamacare, um, you have what's called banding, and, and essentially what that is is how much you can charge, you know, different age groups um, because typically, obviously, for younger people, health insurance is less because they tend to be younger and healthier versus older people where insurance is more because they tend to have more uh, health issues. So um, insurance companies rate or determine their premiums based on, you know, what they think they're going to end up paying or their risk of paying out under those policies. So typically for uh, somebody who's older, they're going to be looking at a higher premium. So Obamacare sets limits on how much more somebody who's older can be charged, and that limit is three to one old person, older person. Remember, anyone over 65 is covered under Medicare, and so that, that doesn't change at all. So you're only talking people that are 64 or younger, uh, but the maximum difference between somebody who is, say, 60 and a younger person is, under, is now three to one. And what the bill is that it's currently constructed, the Senate bill as it's currently constructed, that could go to five to one, and that's what creates the concern on the part of, uh, you know, some people who are, say, middle-aged. But a couple things you have to take into account. Number one, it's up to the states to determine whether they want to stay with a three-to-one banding or not. So it would be up to North Dakota to make that decision. Um, the other thing is the idea is you get more younger people in the risk pool. That helps spread the risk. That helps keep premiums down. And that's why in that CBO report, or one of the reasons in the CBO report, you saw that in the first several years, premiums increased, which is primarily because the Senate bill eliminates the individual mandate. And we need to talk about that, too. But in the third year, premiums show about a 30% drop. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to see a big increase, maybe in that range, 25 30%, we don't know, from Blue Cross Blue Shield this year. So it's very important that we address this issue and that over time, um, for people who are older, they'll pay less in premiums, not more. We have uh, Cheryl next. Go ahead, Cheryl. You're on with the senator. Oh, thank you, Senator, for taking my call. You bet, Cheryl. Um, I do have a question. Nixon signed into law the Health Maintenance Organization Act of 1973, in which medical insurance agencies, hospitals, clinics, and even doctors could begin functioning as for-profit businesses instead of service organizations that they were intended to be. Um, wouldn't it make sense for us to address the cost of medical insurance, oh, medical yeah. practices? I... Um, so to me, wouldn't it make sense to go back and repeal or repeal any acts that apply to the Health Maintenance Organization Act of 1973, and um, instead of trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act right now? Well, well Cheryl, I mean, that's a very thoughtful question. Thank you. Um, a couple of things you, you bring out that are really important. One is, you know, we're talking about health care insurance and so forth, but it really we do have to understand that um, the underlying cost of medicine is something we have to address and figure out how we can do a better job of, of controlling uh, increasing costs in medicine. And one of the ways is we've got to figure out how to get more um, consumer decision-making involved in the process and more transparency. So, for example, when you go to the store, 
you make decisions, um, thoughtful decisions about what you're going to buy and how much you're going to pay for it. And we've got to get more of that kind of discretion in the medical process. Not only does it give you more choice and control, but it will help control costs. So that's very important. So now to your, and, and you bring up that point, I think, with your question. Now, specifically to your question, I think you want both for-profit and non-profit because I think the more competition you can get out there, in a general sense, serves the consumer. Now, there are, there are instances where you can have, you know, too much competition in an area, and that, that may be an issue because of some of the government involvement in medicine. So, I mean, you, got, I, you know, we have to be careful about any kind of blanket statements. But I'm thinking that the uh, for-profits, together with the non-profits, gives us a greater range of not only institutions competing, but also more options for our health care. All right, I want to get to Vern. We have about two minutes before a break. So, Vern, real quick, you're on with the senator. What's up? Hey, thanks. Yeah, I'll make it real quick. Uh, I come from the right side of the aisle. I like to see this whole thing repealed. I was developed insurance a couple of months last last year, uh, transitioning over. I had to pay a penalty, and I never used it. I don't like this uh, rebatable deal that uh, John Holman's talking about, given to people that don't pay enough taxes in. And I'd like to have him uh, elaborate on the plan that the senators and the congressmen have, and if we're all equal, how come us Americans can't have the same thing as our leaders do? Thanks. All right, thanks. for Go ahead, Senator. We have about two minutes. Well, you actually have the same thing I do because I, I don't uh, get health care from Congress. I don't take it. I pay my own, and I go out and get it just like anyone else. Um, and you should have access to quality care, and you should have choice, and that's, that's what we're trying to work to get, at, as well as making sure that low-income individuals have access to health care and coverage, too. All right. Uh, let's see. Do we have time to sneak in another uh, call here? No, we've got less no. than a minute okay. here. Less than a minute. All right. John, Mark, another John, Scott, uh, hold on. We'll get to you after the break. And all of you people who are emailing, uh, I'm prioritizing the calls first, and then we'll get to the emails. Uh, so and if you want to join in, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. We're trying to get through just as much as we can. Open phone, town hall with Senator John Hoban. We'll be right back on The Rob Report right here on 970 WDAY. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDAY. We are doing open phones today with Senator John Hoban talking about health care, health insurance reform. It's it's on the minds of a lot of people. And uh, if you want to join in, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. We are getting a ton of calls, so if you get a busy signal or anything like that, keep trying. You can also email us, talk at WDAY.com, prioritizing the calls first, but we're going to try to get to everybody. And uh, let's start with Mark right off the bat. Mark, you're on with the Senator. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I would like to ask Senator uh, Hoven. I have a son. He's 25 years old, and I'm a professor at the university. He's on my insurance. He has cancer, and he has Hodgkin lymphoma cancer. And he's going to go off my insurance next year, March uh, nine, uh, 2018. I would like to ask Senator how he can help my son, somebody like him, uh, to survive in this uh, in this healthcare uh, changes. Thank you, and I listen to your answer. 
Thank you uh, for your question. I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your son, and uh, your question is a very important one, and that's why we're working to make sure pre-existing conditions are covered. And, you know, both uh, chronic illness and pre-existing conditions are and should be covered so that your son would continue to have coverage. And, for example, I, you know, I've seen in some situations where it's come up that, um, you know, that individuals uh, who have chronic illnesses um, could get capped out. And, again, that's what we want to make sure doesn't happen. One of the things in the Senate bill is uh, a $50 billion fund for reinsurance, and the effort is to make sure that you backstop pre-existing conditions and chronic illnesses so those people uh, not only have access to coverage, but also so that you deal with that cost so that then the rest of the insurance market, uh, you can have a competitive market where premiums aren't driven up. Uh, but um, your question goes to the pre-existing conditions, and you know obviously that's why uh, those need to be covered. We have uh, John on the line. Go ahead, John. You're on with the senator. Yeah. The, uh, the president made it very clear during the campaign and since he's been president that he had his health care plan uh, was going to include everybody, would be covered. Uh, it was going to be unbelievable. It was going to be uh, cheaper for everybody, much, much cheaper for everybody. Uh, it was going to be great. It was going to be terrific and, uh, and unbelievable. So far, the only one of those that uh, I think he's met is the unbelievable part. What do you think you should do to inform him about what really needs to be done with medical care in this country? It, it's a very challenging uh, thing to reform health care and to make sure that it works and, and that everybody has access to health care and, and uh, health care insurance. That's why I've said it's not going to be done with one bill. This passing legislation gets the process started. It doesn't end it. It's going to take more than one bill. It's going to take work by um, administrative action by HHS. Um, so this is going to be a process, and you're right. It is very complicated, and it's something that affects all of us, so we have to work very hard to get it right, and that's what I'm trying to do. We have another John with a question for you, Senator. Go ahead, John. Good afternoon, Senator. Without busting your chops too impolitely, Congress has had seven years of a Republican-dominated Congress to establish something to counteract Obamacare, and we've given you everything you guys have asked for, including a Republican president now, and I'm just kind of curious why you didn't have an A-plan coming in the door. Thanks. I think we have a lot of ideas to, to get to a good plan. And, again, it's going to be a process. And you have to remember, over that seven-year time frame, you've got a lot of changes in a lot of players. It's not the same group for all seven years, including a new president. And so there's a lot of different ideas that go into this mix, and we're going to keep working at it to get good health care reform. But I'm one that believes it's more important to get it right than to get it quick. We have Scott up next. Go ahead, Scott. Hi, hey, thanks for taking my call and everybody's call because this is a pretty big deal, you know. And uh, sure. I was wondering when you said refundable tax credits, so you basically pay for a year's worth and then at the end of the year you can get to a tax refund. Is that basically how it works? 
Well, it's like that, but it's it's an advanceable, refundable tax credit, and that's why it takes a while to set up. Remember, under the Senate bill, for the first years, for the first two years, there's no changes. Okay, so for the first two years of the Senate bill, the current system is in place, other than the fact that we provide this, or the Senate bill provides um, the uh, stabilization fund to try to stop these skyrocketing. Uh, insurance premiums and make sure that markets actually have uh, insurance companies to provide coverage in in those markets, which now some of them, like say, are down to one or or, or down to none. So that you have time to transition, and then it's a gradual transition after that. So I want to make two things, two points. One is I want to answer your question, and that is it's an advanceable, advanceable, refundable tax credit. So in essence, yes, but you would get it in time to actually buy a policy. The other thing I want to point out is in that CBO score, um, it indicates that 15 million people would lose coverage in the first year, but that's not because they don't have access to the very same coverage they have now, whether it's under Medicaid or, or buying a policy. It's just that the Senate bill repeals the individual mandate, so they choose not to get uh, health care. And so that's something to understand about the CBO process is, when you eliminate that individual mandate, people don't face a tax penalty or they're not forced to buy insurance. So CBO is saying, well, 15 million of them don't, but their access to health care hasn't changed because in 2018, 2019, the existing program, other than uh, coming in and backstopping uh, the, the health insurance market, that doesn't change. And so it's important for people to understand uh, that when they hear um, opponents of the bill say, Oh, you know, somebody's going to lose their coverage. So, you, you know, you really have to kind of understand that aspect of it. 701-293-9000. We're having an open phone uh, segment, open phone show with uh, Senator John Hovind about health care, health insurance. If you want to get your comments in, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Dorothy, you're up next. You're on with the senator. What's up? Yes, I'll go into history first of all. Uh, insurance costs and medical costs are always, always, always going up from the beginning of time. Before the ACA, my brother worked as an independent contractor. In one year, his insurance more than doubled, and it never covered any of his medical bills. If insurance costs go down under your new plan, the only reason is going to be the type of coverage the insurance companies offer. Also, my daughter, who was 33 years old, had a cardiac arrest last year. If she did not have insurance, um, she would, uh, the costs would have, the hospital still would have had to treat her. She would never have had the money to pay that, those costs. And the hospitals, rural hospitals, would really be having to cover and lose out, and it's going to cause hospitals in this state to have problems because they have to cover um, conditions that they aren't going to get reimbursed for. Also, um, just wait now. <laughs> i got to collect my thoughts. Well, we got, we got a lot of people waiting, Dorothy, so if, if you got a question for the senator, let's go ahead. Well, you talk fine, about Dorothy, parts to fix. Did you ever try, as a group, to go back 
to fix the problems with the ACA? All right, let's let the senator answer that. Thanks, Dorothy. Well, Dorothy, you, you asked a couple of questions, made a couple of points, and I'll try to respond to them. You're right, health care costs and health care insurance does go up over time, and I recognize that that's true and that's reality. But the point is we're now seeing them accelerate, that, that it's going up even more, and that some markets don't have health insurance carriers anymore. So the idea is to try to better um, – control or manage that increase in costs, and, and that benefits everybody. Your second point as far as having coverage, I agree. We want people to have coverage, and I've spent quite a bit of time today talking about um, low-income individuals and making sure that they have access to Medicaid or to their own policy with help uh, with a refundable uh, tax credit. And um, also, I, I've talked about how uh, we need to try to work with our health care providers uh, to uh, – to make sure that whatever system it is works for them as well and that ultimately we have more choice, more competition that benefits consumers and gives them more control over their health care and their insurance. All right, we're going to take uh, TJ and then we've got to take another break. TJ, go ahead. You're on with the Senator. Yes, good morning. Uh, important issue for all us Americans, and uh, I'm expecting – my Senator Hovind here and all the rest of the members of Congress are doing the most good for the most people. We have a for-profit, very expensive health care system here in America, and all that high salaries that these CEOs, pharmaceutical companies make, the dividends to the stockholders and all that comes out of these premiums. And you know, it's not going to work forever here. That The people cannot afford the insurance. If you're wealthy... You know, you're making 50, 75 grand or more. You can probably afford the Cadillac, or you're in Congress making 174,000. But not the common ordinary man and woman here. So, to me, you're spending like over seven years now uh, on the Affordable Care Act. You should be just trying to tweak it and fix it, or just put everybody on Medicare and go to single payer because this is an endless uh, drain on the American people. And we have other issues, like what are we going to do here coming soon where uh, robots, robotics is going to take over a large segment of our population workforce, like 7 or 9 million people in retail. These are serious concerns of right now. But the health care thing is just, and I'm tired of like the pharmaceutical companies, the insurance companies writing these bills for profit. It's not right. We got a break coming up. TJ, thanks for the call. Go ahead, Senator. Well, I think one of the things that might help in regard to the point the caller is making is more transparency, more, more transparency in medical services so people can make uh, decisions about their care and, and what kind of care they want, where they go, and, and what it costs. All right, we're going to take a break. Kim, Ed, Max, hold on. We'll get to your calls after the break. This will be the last segment. 701-293-9000, Open phones with Senator John Hovind. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. This is our last segment of uh, Open Phones with Senator John Hoven. If you want to get in, 701-293-9000, If you've emailed, I'm sorry, we're, we're prioritizing the calls first. Then we'll try to get to the emails, but we got to get to these calls first. Uh, Kim, been waiting patiently. You're on with the senator. What's up? Hello, Kim. Do we have Kim? 
All right, should we keep moving, Natil? Yep, let's keep going. All right, let's uh, let's try Ed next. Ed, you're on with Senator Hoven. What's up? Oh, good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I have uh, one one question and one comment. Um, in the Affordable Care Act, I think they're big, too big. It's Senator too. Was it too 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 big, Ed? Is that what you're trying to say? The ACA maybe maybe try to do too many things. Yeah, I, I think that maybe was his question, Senator. Was that the ACA was maybe trying to do too many things at once? Well, that's it. I mean, that's why I say that again. Healthcare reform is going to be a process. I think it's going to be a number of pieces of legislation. We want to work to make sure it's understandable. And you know, get to uh, something that can, that can work and that people understand, and and it is hard to do it all in one big bill. Max, you're on with the senator. What's up? Hey, I just want to say thanks for coming on the air and taking questions. Um, I do want to break from tradition of going with healthcare. I I have a I guess a, an issue that's kind of dear near and dear to my heart. I'm a pilot, and I want to know what you think about privatization of air traffic control versus stabilizing the funding for the FAA. Yeah, I, I unless general aviation comes unless general aviation comes out and supports privatizing it, I would be very reluctant to do so. Those are the people that know the system better than anybody, and so I really kind of take my cue from them in terms of how best to reform it. That being said, I do want to make sure that we're doing what we can to uh, upgrade and improve the air traffic control system. But I uh, am. I, I would be reluctant or very concerned about uh, moving forward into any kind of privatization unless general aviation, you know, decided that's what they wanted to do. And then I would want to listen very carefully to them as to, to how to do it. Well, I'm going to uh, bang through some of these emails now, Senator. Uh, first one from John. He says, why can't a few enlightened senators from both sides of the aisle step up and develop a nonpartisan health care plan with the, ineffective of the ineffectiveness of the last few or past several years and the abysmal congressional approval rating? Isn't it time to try something new? Thank you. You know, I think that is going to be part of it. The, the challenge is right now um, Democrats have kind of a list of conditions, if you will, and, you know, you've probably seen it. For example, they refuse to repeal the individual mandate, and Republicans believe that people should have, you know, a choice in, in their health care. And right now the Democrats are saying, nope, if you repeal the individual mandate, we're, you know, that, that we won't work with you. And so we're trying to find a way to get the process started so that they will engage with us and that we can get some bipartisanship as we work through this process uh, to a good uh, long-term solution for health care. Daniel emails, greeting Senator Hoven. Has our nation become far too big and diverse to think about a solution to health care that can ever be done effectively at the national level? On the other hand, if health care is left to the states, what will ensure states prioritize their resources to ensure plurality uh, and appropriate coverage for all citizens? We want to bring the states in and give them, uh, you know, more uh, flexibility. Certainly what works for us in uh, North Dakota is different than what they want to do in New York or California. And, you know, obviously I very much have that perspective as a governor, and I just believe in our great state and our great people. And I think if we're given more flexibility, we, we can do, you know, really great things that other places may not be able to do. So I, I do think the states need a bigger role, and we're, and we're trying to make that happen. 
David asks, given the cost of insurance, how much of a tax credit would be needed by some looking by someone looking Medicaid benefits uh, need to maintain coverage? Uh, in that light, what is the minimum percentage of the needed tax credit? Would you be willing to accept in any revision of the current bill? Well, that's why, you know, we have to make sure it's something that works. So we have to look at what uh, a policy costs, what the premium is, and then those, those uh, refundable tax credits have to be based on both age and income. In the House bill, they were only based on age. They have to be based on age and income so that somebody who has lower income can afford a policy. And then, of course, as your income goes up, the amount that you would get back would, would diminish uh, for that um, for that refund to buy a policy. Gene asks, I would like to know how the health care that Congress is able to receive compares with the Senate health bill as it stands right now. Are we as taxpayers of the government paying anything towards the health care for congressional members? And if we are, how much is it? Well, I mean, obviously your tax dollars pay any salary and benefits that members of Congress and senators uh, get. Um, but uh, as I pointed out earlier, I don't, I don't receive the, uh, health, the health care plan from the Senate. I go out and buy my own just like anyone else for the specific reason that I want to, you know, know what people are experiencing out there so we can try to um, make sure that they're treated well, and that's what health care reform is all about. Well, Senator, we're almost out of time. I feel like we probably could have done this for a whole other hour. Lots of calls, lots of emails, and we didn't get to everybody, and I apologize for that. Any last segment uh, questions here as we close out the segment? Well, it's an important and- issue, and you know, I'm trying to work thoughtfully and carefully to get a good solution, and it's going to be a process. Uh, but thanks for the opportunity today, Rob. Good to be with you. And to all of your listeners, I hope they have a great Fourth of July. Senator, thank you for your time. Take care. That's it for the Rob Report. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. He has a, a guest host, but stay tuned for that. Seven oh, uh, that, Remember, you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again. Like